Pastor John here. Welcome to day one of 50 Days of Preparation. I'm just kidding. It's day 50. Day 50. Praise the Lord. Um, I hope and pray that through the last 50 days, uh, your time in the Word has been really good. Um, and, and for me, you know, gosh, he's just been speaking so much to me. And it's just been... Um, I've really enjoyed what he's been uh, sharing and showing me and still praying through uh, a lot of different things. And um, and so it's going to be, uh, I think, moving forward. Uh, I know that that from Passover to Pentecost, we, you know, we're stepping into some harvest. I just I truly believe that that in in a number of different things in a number of different things, we're stepping into harvest and I and. And I'll save this little sermon thought for after Pentecost, but he's been speaking stuff to me about how to how to grow and mature and, and continue to grow and, and be able to to balance, you know, sowing and and maturing and developing and cultivating and then also reaping and that those three dimensions of our life will never stop in the kingdom of God. Everything in the kingdom of God is about sowing and reaping. And so knowing how to, or, or sowing, cultivating and reaping. And so knowing how to, to continually do those. And then, and in some areas of our life, we'll be sowing and, and others will be cultivating and others will be reaping. And then, and that harvest, um, I believe we're going to have a harvest of souls. I believe we're, we've already seen, um, we've already seen some harvest in, in some some marriages uh there's probably four that i'm thinking of right now that have literally come back from hell and um and god is redeeming them and restoring them and it'll be their story to tell when it's their time to tell it because every harvest every harvest that comes in 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 whatever season every harvest that comes in in that harvest is seed to sow again. So when when you when you say harvest, harvest is in one sense, you say, well, harvest is the finish line. Well, actually, harvest is like the starting line. Because from the harvest, you 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 decipher and the seed that needs to be sown. And and we're praying and want to, I don't want to force people. I know your pastor can pick people out and say, Hey, come up here and say stuff. And just, and I put people on the spot. I'm trying to get better about that, but I want to invite people to share their, their testimonies from the harvest that they've received. Like some of these marriages I was talking about, we're going to invite them that when they're ready to, to share part of the story. And what will happen is that seed will go out to other people that are feeling that in a, in a dry place and you're going to invest seed in, into that ground so that, so that, you know, what God did in, in their life can be done in someone else's life. And so in all the way around, uh, we want to see harvest. And I believe that harvest will be coming. And, and I believe God is going to give us wisdom to manage the harvest and know what's to know what's to eat and know what's to sow know what our bread is and know what our, our seed is and so anyways um even though it's 50 days we're on our 50th day and we're going to talk about prayer tonight and we're going to actually spend some time praying uh on this this last 50th day there's so much we could pray for uh but i just i just believe that the harvest i just want you to know this in your heart 
that the harvest is not a day. It's not like, you know, it's the 50th day or this Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. And so it's like, oh, it's here and it's gone. It's I want you to see it more like you're, you're stepping into a you're stepping into a season. And, and the Lord is going to you know, work all these things out for good and connect them together so that we, we all come up in our ability to, to walk in seed time and harvest, of our ability to walk as harvesters. But as you're a harvester, you're also you know, knowing how to sow and knowing, knowing how, to, how to do all that kind of stuff because it's the whole process and trusting the Lord to bring the increase. We don't have to bring the increase. We reap the increase, but the Lord brings the increase. And that's why we need to let him be the one leading us because we want to be able to sow and reap uh, with increase in between in every area of our life, that our children and our children's children um, uh, know God better than we did. And, and so that's the kind of stuff that we want you know, to see. And so um, tonight, uh, open your Bible to Acts chapter 10. We'll pray. And we'll get started. And I just, I just want to, I just want to encourage you right now, just to pray with me. Let's just pray and just, just begin to agree with the Lord, Father. We just give you thanks, God. We thank you for just your goodness. We thank you that as we have obeyed your voice, that you are, you are not only preparing us, but we are prepared for the season of harvest. That you have given us everything we need, God, to reap, to put in the sickle and reap everything that you have uh, designed and desired for us to reap. I thank you, God, that you have given us your desires. You have given us your heartbeat so that we know uh, that we're not asking amiss. We're not asking according to self-centeredness. We're asking according to your will. And that's our confidence, God. Our confidence is in you and we have faith in you. And we thank you, Lord, that between the amen and the there it is, that, that there is going to be there is going to be growth and you're going to teach us how to put in the sickle and how to reap, God. And I thank you for a harvest in every area, God. I thank you for a harvest of godly marriages. I thank you for a harvest of godly relationships, of people doing it according to your word, a purity, God. We thank you for a purity that is returned not only to marriages, but also to the relationships of those wanting to be married, God. We thank you that they will do it your way and they won't, they won't uh, be distracted to a different way. And I thank you, Lord, in, in the area of finances, God, that families, that they will experience the jubilee of the Lord. And there will be a harvest, God, of, 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 of things that, that just from jubilee, a debt-free power, God, over their life, that you will give them wisdom, God. We just thank you, Lord. We bless your name. And we thank you for healing, Father. We pray for just healing. We pray for the gifts of healing to be released. And we desire those gifts to be released in your body, to bring healing and life to people. And Father, we just pray that uh, a harvest, God, of just uh, for business in this region, business that has a, a focus on building people up and, and supplying things to the community and being a resource um, and, and so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that corrupt capitalism will be removed and, and kingdom capitalism with generosity as its purpose will, be re will replace it. And we thank you, Lord, for creative ideas that people will receive. And you'll teach them how to sow those ideas. You'll teach them how to cultivate those ideas and how to reap from those ideas. And we just thank you, Lord. 
We thank you, God. We thank you for the churches over our region, God, that every church that calls your name and, and Lord, that you will grow them and you will strengthen them and you will empower them to hear you clearly. And Father, I thank you. We're in competition with no one. I thank you that we are, we are uh, serving you together. And I just thank you for a great harvest in our region that the lost would come to know you. And those who have been, those who know you, but have been wounded and have been led astray, God, would come back, God. They would come back. They would return, God. And you remove the shame and you remove the awkwardness and you remove the guilt, Lord. And let there just be, let there just, let it be white as snow, Lord. And we just thank you for it, God. We thank you, God. We honor you and we bless you, God. And we pray for justice and all the injustices that we see. Lord, that there would be justice released, God. And that you would just bring balance so that all people of all color and, and just of all people would be honored. And, and, and Lord, that we would live in a nation and a people that know how to honor people, even when they disagree with them. So, Father... Help us to harvest that. And Lord, we just honor you and we magnify you. And we thank you for all that you are doing and all that you are continue and that you will continue to do. And we just thank you because we believe the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that was a pretty long opening prayer. Uh, so open your Bible to Acts chapter 10. I'm going to give you all a chance just in case any Bible readers are in the house. What jumped out to you in Acts chapter 10? What, what things jumped out to you? Raise your hand, get my attention, and then and let me know. What, what things jumped out to you? Yes. Just about when Peter were both praying yeah. when they heard from God, and yeah. very clearly heard from God, what yeah. they were to do, and obeying. Yeah, so she said, you, when you read Acts 10, you see the story with Cornelius and, and Peter, uh, it, they both were praying. So prayer kind of activated this. And, and I kind of jotted something down that, that, you know, Acts chapter 10 is about where, and even with Acts chapter nine, with Ananias and, and Saul, because Saul was praying too. So it's kind of like when, when prayer meets prayer, it's like, here we go, you know, good stuff. So I thought that was really cool where, where God navigates that and he speaks to people who are, not just who go pray because there's a court date, will pray because there's a problem. They have a lifestyle of prayer. And when you have a lifestyle of prayer, see, see what happens is if you, if you just pray when there's pressure, if the only time you pray is when there's pressure, you're, you're going to struggle with being able to hear consistently the, the voice of God. I believe he'll speak to you in those times, but you won't recognize his voice that much because you're so emotionally driven. But when you live a lifestyle of prayer, you, you position your heart to recognize his voice. And, and so I just think that's really good. Somebody else? Anybody else have anything from Acts chapter 10? Yes. Yeah, verse 34. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, she's she's speaking about that verse, verse 34, about God is is no respecter of persons. God shows favor, but he doesn't show favoritism. And, and so there's a real big difference. God shows favor. His favor is for anyone who will believe and follow. And, and uh, but he doesn't show favorite favoritism. And, and see that you got to be real careful with that one, um, because some people have. And I said this before. I don't know. I just speak for my own life. I, y'all are probably perfect. Never struggle with this at all. But if you if your starting point is you as a reference, if you are the starting reference point, then you have an ability to get off and you don't see. And so so then what happens is what you call favor is actually favoritism. Because you're starting with you and then you start comparing yourself, you know, with different things. And then instead of enjoying, well, man, God's blessing this person. That's God's favor. All of a sudden you think it's favoritism. Like, well, what what about me? And you're you're getting in your own way because you're starting with you as a reference point instead of starting with him as a reference point and beginning to say, God, I know that you show no favoritism, God. You just show favor. And I thank you for the favor I see over there. And I thank you for the favor I see over there. And Lord, that just means that favor is on its way to me, you know, and I have favor. And so you got to be careful not to let that entitlement uh, mentality and because it'll it'll distort It'll distort your ability to receive the favor you have, and you'll you'll blame God for favoritism when actually you're the one who's blinded from his favor, if that makes sense. So that's a really good scripture. Anybody else have anything else that you saw? Yeah. She's talking about Peter in, in praying, you know, uh, he was hungry and because uh, it's lunchtime when he was praying <laughs> and uh, and the Lord shows him this this three times, shows him this vision and, and he says, slay and eat. Um, and so speaking like real similar to Jesus, you know, when he was fasting and turned the stone into bread, but uh, that it's easy in some of those times she was saying to kind of discount or disregard what the spirit of God is saying, because you think, oh, I'm just I'm just seeing this because I'm hungry. But the Lord is actually speaking at that time and speaking something very meaningful and stuff. So uh, that, that, that's really good. Uh, first of all, I've been telling you about these different names and what they mean. Um, and to me, uh, I've done this over the years. I can't say every day I've done it this way, but there's a lot of time I have done it this way where those different those different names and, and what they mean. Uh, I, I step into that as 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 kind of a pointer in knowing how to pray. Like, remember, Ananias is is the one that it's about favor. His name speaks to favor, and so I just begin to, to pray favor. Uh, Saul means to be asked for and and or to be prayed for, and Paul means to be humble. All the stuff we talked about last night with Barnabas and and, and everything, and um, so it just helps me to. I think I think God uses the Word of God supernaturally to paint little pieces of a picture for us to grow us as people of prayer. And tonight's going to be the same thing. So so last night we prayed for Saul's to become Paul's. 
um, and we need to continue to pray that in our city. Instead of going out and trying to, to crucify the enemies of God that are standing up against God, what we need to do is pray for them. We need to, we need to come against the powers of darkness that are, because that's what our warfare, we don't, we don't wrestle against Saul, Saul's flesh and blood. We preach to Saul, we love Saul, so if there's things that come into our heart, like you're talking about that favoritism thing, if there's things that come into our heart about, you know, those, um, it, it just a prejudice that comes into our heart, it will, it will limit God's, it will limit God, it will limit our availability to be used by God to reach that person. And that's why it's important to stay open even when you feel like you're offended to flush that stuff down the toilet, to cast your care upon the God. God, you're my source, and, and I'm going to trust you, and, and you save me, so you want to save them. One of the worst things that, that can cripple the house of God and cripple the people of God is to get this little mentality, you've been saved for a while, to get this little mentality that rises up a little over time, and it comes up to where you wouldn't say it this way. You'd find some biblical way to say it, <laughs> some Christian way to say it to make it sound better than it really is, because that's what we do is, but what you would really be saying if you were raw is, I'm better than somebody else. And I can see why God saved me. I'm better than somebody else. And you start comparing yourself and it's just not good. It's not good, not good at all. So just like we prayed for those with, you know, in that way, tonight is Cornelius. And Cornelius was a devout man. It doesn't mean he was saved. See, uh, like, Jim had talked about the, uh, I don't know what night, a couple nights ago about the word disciple. So it didn't call, it didn't call Cornelius a disciple. He wasn't a disciple. He was a devout man. So Saul, Saul was a murderer. He was, he was devout in his, in his religious um, uh, effort and passion, but he was, he was also passionately wrong in what he was doing. But Saul prayed and all that kind of stuff, but he came against and persecuted the church. He was a persecutor of the church, and we need to pray for Saul's and those who are standing up against the name of God, and we need to pray them into the kingdom. That's that's what we talked about last night. Uh, but Cornelius, there's a bunch of Corneliuses, if that's the way you say it, um, in the city, and we need to pray Cornelius into the kingdom. But Cornelius is not some drug addict. Cornelius is not an enemy against God. Cornelius is a devout man who is not a disciple because he's not born again. But he has a heart to do good works. He wants to help people, and he even prays to God. But he doesn't have a relationship with God. He's not saved. And here's the thing that might blow your mind. for any This, 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 this will be hard for Cornelius to hear. But according to the scriptures, according to what they teach, is... God loves every Cornelius just like he loves every Saul, just like he loves everybody, loves the whole world. But a Cornelius, um, if a Cornelius dies without becoming a believer in Jesus Christ, Cornelius doesn't go to heaven. And everyone at his funeral will say he was such a good man. But according to scripture, none of us are good. Under, uh, the, and the law teaches us that. 
So we need, Cornelius needs a savior. We cannot allow the prosperous looking life and the clean and tidy life and the decent moral life that Cornelius is living. We can't let that lie to us or to him that he doesn't need a savior. Cornelius needs a savior. So much so that God sent an angel to Cornelius, not to preach the gospel to him, but sent an angel to say, you need to go find Peter. You need to send some men to another city to go find Peter. When, I, when you first read in, about Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, it's almost like, it's almost like, you know, and maybe you never thought this, but it's almost like that if there's anybody in the Bible that an angel could have came to and, and seemingly, I know this is not true, but it feels like he's a devout man. He's, he's, he's praying. He's giving alms. He's giving to the poor. It's like, wow, this, this unsafe person is, is, is doing more than most safe people. And so it's almost like the angel would have come and said, you know, God has, your, your giving and your prayers have come up before God as a memorial. Just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you're doing a good job. As a matter of fact, go tell some of those Christians to do it too. But that's not what the angel said. The angel knew the man needs a savior because his good works won't save him. And so God, in, in his great love, sends an angel for the angel to send him to Peter. And so praying for Cornelius is, is realizing that if, as believers in this city, we need to not only pray for the Saul's of the city, we need to pray for the Corneliuses, or however you say that, in this city that they would recognize they need a savior. And the, the name Cornelius actually means horn. Like, like it talks about the horn of the altar. And there's different scriptures in Ezekiel and some places in the Old Testament about the horns that were on the altar. And, 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 and there's, you know, different meanings to all that. But the horn represents strength. And it talks about in Luke chapter one about the horn of salvation. So Cornelius, meaning horn, he needs the strength of salvation because his good works are not strong enough. Even though they might even be stronger than most people in church. Good works never makes you righteous. So Cornelius needs the horn of salvation. And so the angel comes, sends him to Peter, and then Peter has this revelation. So God is preparing Cornelius to receive the gospel, and God is preparing Peter to preach the gospel to Cornelius, who is a Gentile. He's non-Jewish. And so there is prejudice, and this is for some people can be hard to understand, but there is prejudice in the Jewish culture against Gentiles, which should never have been there because of their misinterpretation of scripture in the Old Testament, they didn't see themselves as God reached me to reach everybody. They saw it, many of them saw it as God reached me in, instead of everybody. And when a Christian takes that attitude, it paralyzes your prayer life because it's favoritism. And so praying, so God is preparing Peter, showing him this vision that is not a new thing. He's showing them a very old thing, but because they didn't see clearly the old thing, it feels like a new thing. Because Peter's like, 
Even when he went, he sees this vision of the unclean animals and God makes this statement and says, do not call common what I have cleansed. Don't call common what I have cleansed. And that word common can be a little misleading because well, what do you mean don't call common? What he's, what he's saying is when, I, when, when you are saved, when you are born again, you are, you're no longer common. You're no longer ordinary. You have, been, you have been made new. You are a new creation in Christ. You go above the line like we talked about. You are a special treasure. You're the apple of his eye. And, and you are now in covenant relation. You're a child of God, a citizen of the kingdom of God. You, you are different. You are not who you used to be. You are, and so what God is saying is, is when you actively pursue in prayer someone to be saved like a Cornelius, you have to see them by faith in what you're believing for. And God is saying, don't call them common, meaning don't call them polluted. Don't call them defiled. See, sometimes we allow the prejudice of certain sins or certain things in other people's lives. We don't mind it in our life that much. But in other people's lives, we'll, we'll, um, we'll allow that, that, that calling them common or seeing them as common is like a prejudice that will rise up and it, and it causes us not, it limits our ability to intercede for them and come into agreement with God's heart for them to release God's will over their life and find agreement for them to be born again, uh, which limits the horn of salvation, which, which when you think about this, and I don't have time to break this down, but the horns on the altar, uh, there's different times where it talks about, you know, a, a grabbing on the horn or, or uh, you know, representing the strength of the altar, really the strength of the, of the sacrifice that, that produces the salvation which is for, for it's Christ. So um, when, you, when you call something common, you are limiting the strength of the altar. You're limiting the strength of the sacrifice because you're saying that they're too defiled, God can't cleanse them. And you know, you know in Abraham, with, in Romans chapter four, I believe it is where Abraham, it, it says that God gives life to the dead who calls those things that are not as though they were. See, what it's saying in context is God called Abraham righteous, even though he wasn't. That's what he's saying, because Abraham had a righteousness by faith, not a righteousness by works. So because of Abraham's faith in the gospel that was preached to him, God saw his faith and God called Abraham righteous, even though his life wasn't. So what it says here is don't call common what I have cleansed. It's a faith, it's a, it's a faith perspective. And if we're going to pray for Cornelius's to be saved, we have to have this perspective established in our heart. That just because somebody has a different skin color, a different gender, a different culture, a different background, that's different. See, different can be scary, but we gotta we gotta eliminate that. And we got to recognize that we need to love and honor and pray for all people and have this heart that says, you know what? I call by faith, by faith, by faith from the Lord's perspective, I'm praying for you knowing, knowing that you are not common, you are cleansed, that God, God, God desires to cleanse you and you can come freely. You can come freely to, to the Lord and receive this cleansing from him. And so by faith, you, you see it that way, because if you don't, then you end up causing them to clean themselves before they come to the cross. I've done it a billion times with people. And I don't even realize I'm doing it till after I've done it. I'm like, well, they just need to, they need to, you know, well, yeah, they need to do some things after the cross. 
And the Lord, the Spirit of God, is going to help them to do it after the cross. And so I can't, I can't call them defiled and, and polluted. And, and then for me, the, 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 there's so much in this um, that, you, that you see. The big thing is an angel. I love this. An angel could have preached the gospel to him. An angel could have stood up and preached better than Peter ever could have preached. But God chooses men to preach. And an angel told him, you, you go to Peter. And I just think that's so cool how God, how God speaks to Ananias. God could have done all that stuff with Saul himself. God sent an angel and could have done all that stuff with Cornelius himself. But he wants to include us. That's why we're here praying. We're here praying because we have a heartbeat that says, God, I want to be used by you. Use me in this. And eliminate stuff that needs to be eliminated in me so you can use me. Because listen, guys, there are not only Saul's in the city, there are Cornelius's in this city that do not realize they need a savior because they don't have money problems. They don't have physical problems. They don't have health problems. They don't have any major family issues. Their life is good and they think Jesus has only come to save the people who are in desperate need, whose life is all messed up. And because there's no drama in their life or no need, they have no financial need, no physical need, no, no healing need, no whatever need. Their, their kids are okay. Everybody's healthy and good. They think they don't need a savior. And, and Cornelius, what you need to know in, 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 in all the, the things that are good in your life, what you need to know is you need a savior just like the crackhead out on the street. We all need a savior. We all need Jesus to save us because we've been sold into slavery of sin. And we need to pray for the Corneliuses in this city. We need to pray for them because their career is not going to save them. Their education's not going to save them. Their money's not going to save them. Their, their wisdom is not going to save them. Their political whatever is not going to save them. Their property and their possessions are not going to save them. Their 401k is not going to save them. What's going to save them is the Savior. And he wants to send people to Cornelius. And I love this about this Cornelius, that he was willing and ready to go. And his good possessions did not become an excuse for him to stay in his comfort when Christ was calling him. And then I love this. I, can't, I cannot skip Acts chapter 10 without Acts 10, 38. I mean, that's just like, you know, that's like, if I was ever going to write a rap song, it'd be Acts 10, 38. It's just that good. So, and what he's saying when you read this is Peter comes, and now think about this. Peter comes, and he's kind of like, he was praying, he saw the vision, and the Spirit of God said, go with these people, with no doubting. Because Peter was about to, and why did the Spirit of God tell him to go with no doubting? Because Peter was about to doubt as he went. <laughs> but okay, I'll go pray for these people and stuff, but I'm still a little suspicious. And the Spirit of God said, no, you go with no doubting. Imagine if we could enter into prayer tonight with no doubting. And, and so, so he preaches. And what he preaches is Acts 10, 38. And he preaches down a little bit further about, about Christ and, um, and how anyone who believes in him, you know, receive remission of sins. I just think, I just think that's, that's so cool. But how, how, how Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now, what's interesting to me 
trusting the spirit of God was the one that inspired, excuse me, inspired Peter to, to preach that sermon to Cornelius and, and the family. Cause that's, there's so much time and worshiping, go ahead and come on up. So it'd be at least a little bit of help for me not to keep talking. Um, I don't know why he, he spoke that, but he didn't speak that just to Cornelius because Cornelius, Cornelius had such an awareness that God was doing something and the angel probably helped to get his attention. Cornelius got his family and his friends and he was a centurion or, or something like that. So he, he was over soldiers. And so he probably had some of those soldiers there. So Cornelius was, he, Cornelius knew this. It was so cool about Cornelius. See, when you reach out to a Cornelius and they have ears to hear, they will bring other people with them to hear. So you're not just reaching one person, you're reaching everybody in that sphere. And so they were, so Peter wasn't just talking to Cornelius, Peter was talking to everyone that was related and connected to Cornelius. And anytime you save somebody, that's what you're doing. And, and so when he, he speaks this to him, I don't know why the Spirit of God had him speak that specific thing to him, because Cornelius was not being oppressed by the devil. That we know of, Cornelius was not under oppression. He was living what seemed like a pretty good and comfortable life. So him quoting that verse, I think probably was maybe some of the people in with, that was with Cornelius. Who might have been under oppression. But that same scripture, Acts 10, 38, that, that how God anointed and empowered Jesus. And Jesus went about doing good because God was, God was with him and healing all who were oppressed from the enemy. Uh, that's a call for us. That's what God wants to do in us. Acts 10, 38 is a blueprint scripture of what God wants to do in our life. If we're willing to, to pray for Cornelius and pray for all those that are connected to Cornelius. And so the last thing I'll say is when you see a Cornelius humble themselves and receive Christ, and everyone around that Cornelius, the family and friends, you're helping them receive Christ. And, and I believe there are Corneliuses in this city, in this region. Just like last night, I believe there's Saul's in this city. And tonight as we pray, I want you to narrow in and focus. I want you to seek the Lord. If you have any prejudice or anything that you need to let go of, let go of it. And I want you to seek the Lord. And ask him to show you some Corneliuses in your life. And then begin to pray. Begin to pray. As the Lord directs you in how to pray. So that we can call, we call into the kingdom the Corneliuses in this city. Just like we called into the kingdom the Saul's in the city from last night. So um, uh, tomorrow night we won't be here. I'm going to go get a steak or something. Because it's been 50 days of this wonderful time, and I love it. I'm actually going to miss it. Uh, next week, I think I'm going to start doing a 10 at 10, at least one day a week, probably on Wednesdays. This Sunday, uh, uh, Pentecost Sunday, you can go to our website, faithcenter.tv, register for the service. Uh, and we have a 9 a.m., a noon, and uh, a 6 p.m. The, the 9 a.m. is already filled. So you need to register you and everyone who's coming with you in your household. And it's going to be an, uh, it's going to be an incredible day, um, and uh, you don't need to come to multiple services. You just you just come to one. So go register, 
and uh, love you. It's been a joy being with you. Take some time to go pray. Uh, we're going to pray here tonight, and then we'll see you Sunday morning. Love you.